So today we are here with Stephen. Y'all, do you remember that very nice British gentleman who did trivia for us during Magic from Home Con? He's on the pod. We are so excited. Um, we are so happy to welcome our friend, uh, purveyor of all things Potter in the south of England, Oliver, to the podcast. Welcome, Oliver. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on, both of you. All right. So to start off, let's go with, if you can introduce yourself, Oliver, your house, your Patronus, and your favorite Harry Potter character. Of course. Uh, well, my name's Oliver. I, I am, as you said, the owner of Oliver's Brighton, which is like a, a shop that sells all things from the Wizarding World. Uh, I am a Slytherin, proud, proud, proud Slytherin. And my Patronus is a rabbit. And my favorite character would have to be Luna Lovegood. With your Patronus being a rabbit, is that why you own a rabbit? Yeah, I mean, it was it was just a win-win, really. Uh, I mean, I obviously did the Patronus test like a lot of people via the Wizarding World or Pottermore website back in the day. And uh, when I was creating the idea of the shop, I thought it'd be really fun to have a mascot and have an animal on my magical journey-esque you know so I thought yeah well I'll adopt an animal and I thought well if my Patronus is a rabbit you know if my Patronus was a a werewolf it'd be different but uh, but it's a rabbit so, so that's what happened. Rabbits make very good pets. They, they are they're, they're awesome. We had one actually that she looked very similar to yours when I was younger named Violet. That's a beautiful name that's a beautiful name. She ran around the house freely and ate animal crackers but not the generic brand. yeah no she's very cool very cool so let's begin oliver by talking about your harry potter origin story um so i i know because i did my research and because you're wearing a hat of a different uh fandom realm that you are someone who grew up with a lot of different for lack of a better category sci-fi you know passions uh Mm -hmm. how did harry potter come into your life yeah, so I've always been a geek. I mean, I'm not, I'm not unfortunately the smart side of, of geekiness, more just the, the, the fan of all different fandoms, as you said there. <laughs> I, I wish I was. I wish I was. But uh, no, yeah, so uh, the, the how kind of Harry Potter into my life, like a lot of 90s kids, uh, I was lucky enough to get introduced um, into reading the first one back in school. I wasn't really a reader. I was never really uh, an intellect or uh, good at anything with school, to be honest. But uh, but anyway, at one point, a book landed in my hands, and it was Philosopher's Stone. Uh, sorry, Philosopher's Stone for you. Uh, just to make sure we're in the same wavelength. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got Philosopher's Stone, and I read it, and it was the first book that I enjoyed. I think it was the first book that I got involved with, with the, the imagination. That's what really grabbed me. I think also at that age, which I would have been around the age of nine, approximately, it was that area where you have that ability to have the imagination. So I had the book, I read the book, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And of course, around 2000, uh, when the Philosopher's Stone came out in the cinema, I went in that summer with my friends uh, at the time, and we both went and we saw it, and we were both fans. And, and the thing 
the moment which really grabbed me, I've, I've said in past interviews, that really had that kind of nice uh, bonding with the kind of universe of Harry Potter was after the movies, we went to the local shop. And in the local shop, they were selling chocolate frogs. And we were like, wow. So we started, we got a few. And the idea of that summer was to collect all 20 chocolate frog cards. And we were obsessed and we did. And I think that was it. That was the connectivity of having something tangible, uh, being involved in loving the story, believing as well. I was quite a, a dreamer. I did believe that it was real, maybe. You know, at the time, I still believed in Santa, I think. So, you know, uh, if any listeners are, are listening who, who still also believe in Santa, he's totally real. Uh, but yeah, so that that's that's it. And that was the connection point of, of love from them. Well, one of the things that I really love about the the Potter verse and then and the world building that we experience in the in the series is that it feels like just a very subtle diversion of actual reality, right? Like if you walk through the shops of London, it just feels like there's this this other street that's just right there and we can't see it, we can't find it, but it's there and it doesn't feel like all that removed from our reality. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really appreciate that. But I'm curious and I really like that you touched on on the chocolate frog experience because that, that was something I read and I, I wanted to ask you more about. Um, we got to ask the Greg who lived when he came on the pod a couple weeks ago now this and we forgot to ask Bradley, uh, Brad Bakes a couple months ago when we had him. Uh, so maybe we'll ring him up and annoy him some weekend here. But what was, in your experience, kind of Pottermania like in the UK? Because in the US, it was like a whole different animal, I feel, um, because we love taking everything and making it as Hollywood as possible. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, like, as you grew up with the series, like, did it feel like the phenomenon that we now know it is? Yeah, I think, I, I, I think maybe, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting one. I think America is quite different. Maybe you guys are a bit more louder sometimes i think that's the, the way to put it probably but at the same time it, it was an obsession so you know as the book series when it you know really got into the to the media and people really started learning about it and how awesome it is there was still that crazy situation of people you know i remember queuing up one of the books uh and it was a midnight launch at waterstones and we were there since whatever time hours and hours of queues and people were hooked so i think it was it was maybe I don't know, because I didn't grow up in America, but maybe it was more of an organic um, obsession, kind of a cult situation, maybe. But it was still, yeah, still massive. It wasn't like, oh, you know. And, and one thing I always say as well, which is really interesting, the reason a lot of people ask, why did you choose, out of all the fandom, uh, fandoms, or of all the obsessions, why Harry Potter? And not just because it's one of my greatest, but it is, at the end of the day, on, on a business point, it's the biggest. It is Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, I love. That's huge, but actually Harry Potter's bigger. But the, the thing that's interesting, as growing up as a child and even now, Harry Potter's always been seen as kind of kind of cool. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, Harry Potter. So you'd get the cool kids in school going, yeah, Harry Potter. And it wouldn't be like, oh, that's that's lame. It was never, Lord of the Rings was like, oh, that's oh, orcs. Oh. But wizards, no, that's, that's cool. So it's really interesting that it's always been that. So that was one thing that I noticed in England especially. So, so from having found that love of Harry Potter, how do you take that and then open a shop? Okay. Do I go for shortened version or long version? I mean, do you want the long version because the podcast? I mean, it won't be that long. It won't be hours. 
I'm go for whichever version you want to tell. <laughs> and, okay, and look, cool. and, and look, if it was ours, Danny would shorten it to about three sentences of editing, and <laughs> would be good. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like because you mentioned the the Greg who lived there. Big love to Greg. Uh, I love him to bits, and I think he's an awesome guy. Um, but yeah, so so how I, I've been through many jobs in my life, and the way I've always looked at life is you've got to do a job that you love. And I've had one major business before this, which was revolved around Instax, which is Fujifilm's uh, Polaroid version. And I did that for a long time. But it got to a point uh, in that journey, I, I done I dug my bit, I got involved with Fujifilm, I was with them for many years, and I thought, you know what, I want to get my own business again, I want to get something I love. So I went to Asia, and uh, in a- I've been Asia a lot in my life, and I love Asia because it's so advanced and so different. And I like to, to experience different things. And I went there and I wound up in a place called Guangzhou, which is in uh, China. It's a business district. And I heard about a, a virtual reality uh, fair. And I thought, yeah, that's where I should go. So I went there and it, it wasn't, I don't know why I was there, really. I, I, I didn't own a theme park. I didn't own a venue. Uh, I was the only Westerner there. People thought I was a millionaire. People thought I'd maybe traveled from England who owns maybe one of the biggest amusement parks and that's why I was there they were like who's this guy skipping queues and going on Iron Man simulators and all that and it was amazing but I was like what the hell am I doing so during that I was a little tipsy and I, I had a few beers in one of the local cafes there and I was rereading the Harry Potter series at the time and I was uh, for yeah just rereading it and I was on Chamber of Secrets and I just had this epiphany of why can't I take the love of Harry Potter and make a fan shop. Why can't I do that? Because I knew, obviously, I've been many times uh, to the Universal Studios in Watford, which is north of London. I've been many times to the shop in King's Cross, uh, but really south of London, which is approximately an hour to the coast, which is where Brighton is. And I've been in Brighton now for the last 10 years. There There was no shop to do with Harry Potter. There was no geek shop. And I thought, well, I've got to look into the logistics, the legalities. So while I was researching, etc., I did contact uh, Warner Brothers because I didn't want to create something. If I was actually going to go down this road and, and put all my money and all my time into it, I didn't want to do all of it and then suddenly get told that's something you can't do. Uh, I've got people staring at me through the door at the moment in the shop because I've got the lights on. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, uh, throw me off now. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I contacted Warner Brothers. And in the end, the, the start of the journey, I found out through Warner Brothers. They came back to me and they said, look, uh, at the end of the day, as long as you sell a f- official merchandise, uh, as long as you, you don't pretend to be an official shop. So, for example, the King's Cross, that is their own shop. Uh, and as long as you are clear that you're an independent shop selling official merch, that is basically it. It's kind of to give the gist. And that's what I knew. So that was a fantastic situation to be in, knowing that was it. And then I had to find the right place. The thing is, England, without sounding too boring or business-like, the problem with England is that most of it's rent, and it might be similar to America. And, and the problem with that is I can create something amazing and magical and beautiful, but if you're renting something, it's so hard because you are effectively giving all your money, because, yes, it's, it's a dream, but you've got to make it a business because you've got to make it work. Uh, and uh, basically, yeah, I, I found a property, uh, which I'm in right now, on 42 Trafalgar Street, which is a one-minute walk from the train station of Brighton, which has thousands of tourists and all that and loads of people in the city. And I could just see it because it was so old. It's at least, I don't know the exact date, but it's at least 100 years old. 
and it's got that vibe of the whole old floorboards and it's been different shops in the past but it had potential and uh and that, and that was it uh, i got to that point and uh i got some incredible muggle builders in their muggle tools and stuff i think using a wand would have been uh, cheating and uh yeah so they did all that and i, I just wanted that my picture in my mind and you, you see i know it's a audio but you see on the camera you guys can see is the, is the amount of it's the visual, it's the sense. I wanted people to enter the shop and I didn't want them to walk into just to a normal shop. I didn't want them to walk into a modern shop where you just have a load of Harry Potter stuff on the shelf. I wanted them to walk in and believe they could be in a shop in the Wizarding World. And that to me meant raw Victorian style. It meant to me open brickwork. It meant to me the original floorboards. It meant to me original uh, vintage or Victorian furniture, you know, old wooden cupboards, old glass cabinets, trophy cabinets, uh, biology, uh, metallic glass cabinets. And then I thought, well, other things, for example, the bulbs. And I had this idea of creating a huge amount of open filament bulbs because that's what they would have had obviously many years ago. So I put them in and there was about 60 bulbs and that gave that brilliant kind of warmth to it. And then the final few things to me was just tiny details. When you walk in, uh, there is a bell on the door that kind of rings, you know, the old fashioned uh, little metallic bell and then the smell. And it sounds bizarre. And I, for a while at the start, I used to light a stupid amount of uh, candles from the, <laughs> from a, a Yankee candle. And that was like, cost me a fortune. I was like, I can't keep lighting candles. So I, I found this machine. You know, when you go to amusement parks uh, in different places around the world and you have 4D or 5D experience where you can smell stuff. And I discovered this machine and I contacted the company and I sent them one of the butterscotch beers that we sell here. And then they made it into an oil. So as you walk in, you've got this immersive, beautiful uh, smell of butterscotch beer and and that's that's where we're at. And I, I could carry on if you want. I, I don't know if you want. By all means, carry on. Okay. Then it got towards. So already, I had the the official stock. I had my staff. The staff was uh, another thing to me. I didn't want just average Joe working here. He didn't really care. I wanted men and women who worked here to enjoy themselves, to be living the dream of. Oh yes, I get to deal with Harry Potter. You know, that's what I wanted. So I did a little different. I didn't do the basic of sending a CV or whatever. I said on a social media post, because we have a, a very organic following at the beginning, and it's one of those things where anything to do with Harry Potter, uh, whether it's an official shop or not, and only being independent, people still were following me. And we started getting in a couple of news articles. And I did a post on my social media, and I said, look, if you are interested in becoming one of my wizard's apprentices, all you have to do is send in However you, you might, so this could be via letter, it could be via video, it could be however you want to do it. I want you to send in a creative piece of why you should be uh, my wizard's apprentice. And there, there's a fable that attached to that. We had the, the rabbits we mentioned earlier, and her name is Luna Lepore, which means the moonshine in Latin, because she's got this little white nose. And the, the fable goes, she has magical powers. And every full moon at a midnight hour, if you stroke her nose, she'll grant you one wish. And this is what I wish for. So that's why now she lives with me upstairs because uh, I, I have to pay my debt. Anyway, and so people kind of based it around the rabbit and why they should be picked. Um, and people were sending in from the next day, I had letters, scrolls, manuscripts, 
watercolors. Uh, I had someone deliver via dressing up as Hedwig the Owl uh, to the to the shop. So I was still working on it. Um, we we had someone who wrote a manuscript that was like four hundred pages long, which was insane. Uh, people were converting like old VHS cassettes from the Philosopher's Stone to like this kind of uh, picture thing. Anyway, it was, it was really hard. We had like thousands of entries. And I had to narrow it down. I chose my magical star and we got to opening day and November the 11th was the opening day. Um, so there's a lot of info, I'm sorry. But November the 11th is the, the opening date I chose. Uh, it was 11-11-2017. Uh, but of course, um, at the same time, that was Armistice Day, of course. So I had to be respectful of that. So we opened at midday and it got to, so I had my I didn't know how busy it was going to be. It was either going to be really busy or it was going to be a flop. So I had my four members of staff. I had uh, some pe- new, two newspapers turn up with journalists and photographers who were like, oh, yeah, we're going to capture this, this amazing opening. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then the, and it started raining. And then I was like, oh, flip. And then it got to 11.30. And I didn't see on outside. And I was like, Oh my goodness, what have I done? Oh, I put all my life savings into this. And I, I don't know what was going to happen. I was freaking out a little bit. And suddenly, one of my members of staff at the time went, you need to look outside. And I said, wow, okay, brilliant. There's some people. They said, yeah, there's, there's some people. So I went to the, the door and I looked outside. And the, the queue, I, I can't even describe it. It was, I don't know where they came from. It was like they apparated here. I, I don't know what happened. But they, uh, they were zigzagging. We, we're next to, funny enough, an alleyway. So they, they went all the way down the alleyway and then they zigzagged back down the alleyway. And, and in the end, it was off roughly three to four hour queue. And it was just insane. And, and it was really overwhelming. It was incredible at the same time. Uh, I'd never owned a shop before. And, uh, and, and that was that. So we had to kind of limit the amount of people coming in. And I kept going out with Bertie Bot's beans and jelly slugs to give to the queuers to say, you know, thank you so much for waiting. And I just hope you appreciate we're not doing this to create, you know, drama. It's so that people feel comfortable. And since then it's been busy. Uh, luckily, and it, it sounds weird to say it, luckily not that busy. And I don't want it that busy because I want people in the shop to enjoy their time. I like them to be comfortable. So that was the opening. Okay. So I have so many questions. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that was incredible. I, it's, it's funny. I, I've been to the London area and points northbound uh, a handful of times in my life. And um, I've never made it further south, I don't think. I mean, I know it's a little bit west, but like then like the Roman baths and, and, and all of that, right? Uh, but I've, I've had, you know, I've only been a part of the Harry Potter online community, but I've had awareness of your shop just because everybody talks about it for at least two years now, right? Uh, to, you know, it's... Like, yeah, I mean, we're friends with Brandy. I know Brandy's talked about it a ton. You know, you see it on YouTube. Um, people, like, I know someone did a walkthrough or some sort of thing. I, I've seen video, right? Point is, what you've done is incredible. And I think all, all the more of note is that it's not in London. Um, and I was going to wait until the very end to do this, but seeing as we're here, for for the for the London tourist who's going for Watford Junction, who's going for Mina Lima, Cursed Child, what have you, give a little bit of a, uh, you know, town council of Brighton, you know, ad for why people should take the train down South. Ah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the best person to ask because I, I'm obsessed with Brighton. The reason I chose originally it was called Oliver's and 
and between me and you guys, like it was going to be Oliver's. And then uh, for, for one reason or another, I needed to add a second word. Okay. And, and originally it was Oliver's Bright and Limited. That, that was how the company was being formed on a, on a legal basis with the people again, staring through the window. Sorry. Uh, and <laughs> we're not open yet. Um, but yeah. And anyway, and Oliver's Brighton, I just loved because it had a nice ring to it. And the other name was going to be Oliver's Spells or Oliver's Spell. But to me, when I said it a few times, it sounded like Oliver's Smells. So I didn't do that. But anyway, and Oliver's Brighton. And, and the reason why that Brighton is so key is not just because of the location. It, well, it is because of the location, but it's, I love this city. It's the best city in the flipping United Kingdom. And the reason being, London's amazing and it's got loads to offer. And you do have... Mina Lima, you've got you know incredible theatre productions, you know Cursed Child, and, and and everything going on. But the reason Brighton is so special in the United Kingdom, it's the most strange, organically weird place without being false. It's where people can live or visit and wear what the hell they want, uh, whether it is someone in drag or someone dressed as a bear or whatever, and and people won't. There's, there's no, there's never a criticism. It's always a, a positive or, or an encouragement. And, and I like how creative and, and open that the people that live here, but then also about the people visiting, it is a, it's a strange, it's, they call it the Brighton bubble. It's kind of like, it seems that, okay, you can't say 100%, but a huge percent of people that live here are just generally nice people. We're friendly. You go down the street, or you go to a bar or whatever, you're most likely going to start talking to someone about something weird or random or fun or whatever, rather than the kind of cold shoulder that you may experience in other parts of the United Kingdom. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just incredible. And there's so much graffiti, like, inc- like proper artistical uh, graffiti. You've got the beach. You've got the weather seems strangely enough really nice here compared to London sometimes. Uh, you've got a mad variety of food, mad variety of bars. You can walk everywhere. You don't have to get in a tin can going around the city. And that's no disrespect to London. But the fact that you can walk everywhere. I can walk from one edge of Brighton to the other within half an hour. But there's so much going on. So, yeah, it's the best place in the UK. That's why. So when you do get some, uh, when you get a residual check in the mail from like the Brighton Marketing Council or something, <laughs> we'll gladly take 10%. All said and done. <laughs> Considered. Um, no, I'm curious. You talked a little bit towards the end of, of talking about your shop and, and its genesis. You talked a little bit about customer service and why that experience matters so much to you. Um, I know I've read in some other places too where you've talked about I'm curious if you could speak a little bit more about, about what that means to you and why you're so passionate about delivering your, val- your vision of customer service. Yeah, totally. It's like um, in my life since the age, I've never done university or college. From the, from the moment you legally are allowed to leave school, I went working. And I was working during school as well. So I was probably working since the age of 14. I've done everything. You know, I've done cafes. I've done work in a warehouse packing boxes. I've done work in an electronics stores selling computers or TVs. I've done clothes shops. You name it. I've, I've been doing it, whether it's even just a brief period or, or a longer period. And, and during the journey of it, it was really it was a great thing and a bad thing. The, the great thing about it was I was I was adamant of finding something that I had passion about, um, and then learning stuff along the way of what works and what doesn't. And then the bad things was seeing what was bad about it. What what was bad? And and what I find I'll start with the bad stuff is that when, for example, one of the electronic stores I worked in, which was huge, uh, I worked there from the age of uh, 
17, I think, roughly, for about half a year. And, and it, I, I, was, I was good at the job. I was good at the job because I liked dealing with people. But the, the main focus of the job was about, say, for example, what the customer didn't need. It was about insurance of an item that they were buying. Or it was about, there was no reward. There was no reward in the sense of, uh, the, 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 there was no encouragement the staff to have energy about them because they, no one liked it. It was just, it just sucked. The managers just were so bad. There was no positivity. There was so much negativity. There was criticism all the time or negativity. And I hate that. Uh, so over my time, and the reason there's, there's so many jobs, there were brief periods because it just, I never found the one I liked. And then I was a, a real estate agent or a estate agent in England terms for a while, uh, even though that has a bad image that I love that because I got to I got to talk to people, go into strangers' houses, and they're like, do you want to live here? Yeah, I'll live here. All right, cool. Sold. Um, but it was, that was cool. I liked it because that was quite niche, and it was, it was dealing with people on a very personable level. Um, but yeah, what, what, I took all of this journey, this, I mean, what am I now? I'm, 20, I'm 29. I opened up in 2017. So I would have been in 26, 27. I, I don't know. I'm going to go 26. I, I remember. I was 26 or 27. I opened the shop. And um, the, the 10 years of work were really good because I learned how should a customer be dealt with. And it's not, and this is no disrespect to a large proportion of retail in America, but I find that that is one of my biggest comparables. There's a big, not all, and, and no, I'm not saying all at all, but there's, there's a large percentage, I think, especially, I've been in America quite a bit, and the retail situation there for me is, it's very false, a lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it. A lot of it's like, Hey, how are you doing? Come, come over. How are you doing? How are you? You all right? Yeah, yeah. You want to look at that? Let's show you that. Let's, oh, do you want to look at that? Back off. I want to, I want to just, just, I want to chill. I want to vibe. I want to look around the shop. I want to look at someone and talk to you. So but my big thing for my staff when we first opened was anyone that comes in, they need to be acknowledged in a positive way, but just not too much. You know, it's just the typical morning any questions any point just let us know it's it's giving the customer space it's making sure the store looks lush it smells good it's clean and and it's friendly and when they eventually if the customer wants to divulge in conversation or talk about a product there's no pushiness there's no phone sales there's no, no that that style i've been in phone shops and that. there's no pushiness it's not about yes this is a business yes i've got to make money yes i've got to make money to to pay a mortgage put food on the table but the more you give someone space and, and, and more organic feeling, I find that actually they end up probably spending more because they're so relaxed, but they don't have to. We get a lot of people coming here who, who, who look at stuff and then they'll come back in a week or a month after payday. That's not a problem. That's great. Um, so I think, yeah, sorry, to summarize, <laughs> I ramble. To summarize it, it's basically like, you, you, and it so, sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. You should, tr you should treat someone like a customer the way that you would want to be treated and, and that's exactly what I do and and it seems to work we've had 1,000 of the I haven't recently counted it's about 1,700 five-star reviews now and these aren't just quick five-star reviews some of these are paragraphs and essays of why they enjoyed it um, and I'll talk about one of, if I can if that's okay I'll give one scenario if that's all right we had um, I got a nod on the camera though I'm not, I'm not just talking over uh, they, uh, one scenario, so we, we get a huge percentage of customers and this might be to do with the Harry Potter, uh, following, but we get a huge amount of customers who may have quite a lot of anxiety. Uh, we might have a large amount of customers, uh, 
um, which I've noticed, who are autistic or, or various other situations. And what's really nice to know is that when we've had customers in who have exactly, yeah, anxiety, for example, or once in a while we had one review a couple, about it was a month or so before the lockdown, and a lady pre-messaged me and she said, hi, I'm coming to your shop. Uh, I don't always get people, you know, telling me they're coming, but they said, I'm coming to your shop, really excited, bringing my son, and he's really excited, he's 12 years old, uh, he's, he's autistic, and she, the reason she said she was mentioning he was autistic, she said that he himself felt that in, in certain situations, like busyness or just too much going on sometimes can, it's not, it's not good, he doesn't like it, basically. Uh, and I said, look, that's cool. I said, you know what? Why don't we do uh, a visit where you could come at, say, six o'clock? You could come at six o'clock, and that means that you guys get the shop to yourself. And she was like, wow, okay, let's do that. Uh, and, and they came along, and they were an awesome family. And, and the dude that came along, uh, her, her son, was so – he just loved it. And it was so nice. It was just like – because I heard what she said. And, 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 you know, it was just so chilled out and so relaxed. And afterwards, she left this long review – and it was so sound because she was like, look, it's so strange to say, but she said, out of all the shops that like, he's ever been to or certain situations like this, you know, he, he's just not stopped talking about it. And she said, that's really strange. He doesn't really do that. And it was just so cool to hear that. Um, and that's it. I think it's just, it's just adapting as well the way that you talk. I might talk to someone who's like some person who's got insane amount of energy like me, uh, the way that I'm talking right now. And then if someone's coming in, as you know, as we mentioned there, the son who maybe just likes it a bit more, you know, back off a bit, basically, just chill out a bit more. It's adaptation. I think that's what it is. Um, so yeah, it's listening to the customer, but also just just being not a false fool. What I love about you and your shop is that for you, it doesn't necessarily like yes, you need to make money to survive, but for you, it's about the experience of the shop and people having the time to just enjoy what's there. And it's one of the things I'm so excited to see eventually. I know Stephen and I have been talking about getting over there, which has been delayed due to... The second this damn pandemic is done killing people, I'm on the first flight over. Yeah, you're going to have some guests as soon as we're allowed. Like, you know those people that were just waving at you through the window? I'm going to be sitting there like, you know, 6 30 in the morning just like this you're gonna have to clean your windows <laughs> after him <laughs> that is the biggest pain of my life is glass uh <laughs> but um but it, another thing is cool you mentioned about the fat flying over and it, it does sound crazy but we've had a, a large a large percentage of customers come from mad far like i had a, a family came from south america and and what what seems to happen now and it's not like they're going all the way here just the shop What's really sick is that I get a huge amount of customers who go, right, I'm coming to England. I'm going to be going to the studios in Watford and I'm going to be going to London, King's Cross and the film locations. And then I'm going to come to Brighton and I'm going to be staying in a hotel because I want to come to your shop. And that seems to be a huge thing. Like, as I said, I'm family from South America and they came over and again, we had this, they were here for like, a, again, it's not a big shop. I'm not going to lie. I've got, a, I've got like 500, 600 items, but it's not a big shot, but they were here for like an hour or two. And there was just, I think maybe because they felt it was really nice because we got to talk and, and all that. And they brought over a, in, the, in their part of South America in one of the books. And I, I can't remember which one, but there's a mention of a South American Quidditch team. I don't know if you remember. but they're, they're, Prob I, Probably in Goblet of Fire at the, at the World Cup. 
maybe anyway and they brought they, they made this patch for me to put on my jacket which is dope and uh yeah it's really sick yeah but exactly that it's not yes okay yeah as you just said there i'm not gonna lie about it i earn money i get enough to to eat food that's great but it's not job i sell chocolate frogs i sell wands i, I get a deal with geeks like me like to sort of talk about broomsticks and <laughs> look how look how cool that detail is on that phoenix you're like yeah look at that <laughs> you're like, this is this is work <laughs> and soon there will be ice cream involved right yes i mean again i know this is a uh, an audio you will see a a, a a green uh 1960 style machine behind me so so um yeah, so we, we sell products that the only food and uh, drink we do right now is the chocolate frogs, which are different to the ones in the studios because the studios have their official ones in the sense that they only make those ones in the 3D boxes where you get the large solid frog in Universal in uh, Florida, of course, and England and uh, Japan, etc. Uh, we sell the Jelly Belly version because that's the only one you can sell outside the studios that's official. So we do the chocolate frogs, we do the Bertie Bots every flavor beans. Again, it's different style packaging, but it is the same beans. We do the nine and three quarters chocolate, which is like, uh, that looks like the ticket that Harry gets and it's kind of gold foil. And then we get the jelly slugs. And then our biggest popular item is the butterscotch beer, which again is, it's really interesting. So I learned when I was uh, opening the shop that you can't, you can't get the beer from the studios outside the studios. They don't do that because obviously they, they make it and they just want to sell it there. So Clever Cog, American company, made their own, and they called it Butter Scotch Beer. And I'll briefly, I'm sure you've tasted this one before, but the description, I'll just give a brief sentence. It's quite funny. It's uh, since 1374, the Flying Cauldron, which is the brand of Butter Scotch Beer, uh, has been making this magical brew for underage wizards and witches. And then at some point it says, oh, yeah, uh, at their brew pub in Hogbreath, England. But... That's how they kind of gone away on a legal basis, I think. And that, that does really well. But yes, the ice cream, go back to that. And it, it, it sounds strange because I tried to add things over time. At one point, I added a popcorn vending machine, which doesn't really make sense because there's no connectivity there other than watching Philosopher's Stone in the cinema and eating popcorn. So that went. That was weird. But the ice cream makes sense because, of course, Florian Fortescue's and also studios in, uh, in Florida and England sell the ice cream, which is amazing. And I can't get that. So I found this magical machine, which works like magic. It's like a button and it dispenses this soft serve ice cream. And then we've got vegan sorbet as well for the vegans. And we've got some cool toppings like lightning bolts and uh, Luna, which is my rabbit. We've got like a custom made wafer, popping pixie dust and wolfsbane sauce as well for the topping. So I'm going to try to use one of my patented god awful segues here. Uh, you mentioned Florian Fortescue, who, for my money, is one of the more underutilized slash underrated characters in the books because he was supposed to have this whole larger plot arc and that's why he disappeared and then J.K. Rowling was kind of like, whoops, whatever. So that's all to say, what is your favorite underrated uh, piece of merchandise you have in your shop? Maybe not the thing that flies off, you know, number one or two, but the thing that, that, that you really find cool. Oh, goodness. I... I think the biggest item that people have not, they, they've seen, but they're not, is I'm just going to narrow it down. 
I'd probably go with it. There's, well, it's obviously a big part of the film, but it's, it's the, you talk, so you're talking about the merch that's what, not known, or you're talking about the merch that's most popular, sorry. Whatever you have in your shop that isn't like the, like for instance, everyone comes and gets a wand, right? Okay, wands, yeah, okay. people love wands. What's yeah. like the one thing you have that maybe isn't like the number one seller? The, the strangest item that I have, I'm just trying to find it, if I can visually see it. It'd probably have to be, well, the, well, we got the invisibility cloak, which I guess is the most cool, but at the same time, very, as we all know, unnecessary. I, I do like that. That's probably the most, like, I, I, I get like, because for me, I, I, I'm a collector as well, and I collect like ones and stuff. And a lot of people who don't understand Harry Potter will go, why do you, why do you need that? Why are you actually buying that one? And you go, oh, it's because it's connecting to the world, man. And it's just that, you know, you're getting a part of it on the book, in your living room, and you might cosplay it. But yeah, I think that the, the invisibility cloak is, is co- it's a cool item, it's, it, but it is at the end of the day, I think you use it for a period of time and then you go, yeah, I, I've been visible enough. Um, the pensive set is, is a very kind of underdog item where a lot of people have not seen it before. And I don't know if you guys have, but it's, it's a beautiful golden box. And the idea is that it's a diary set. It's the idea is you put your memories in there and it comes like an Elder One pen and a beautiful book with this kind of pensive bowl on the top. Um, but there's, I think when you mention of items, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people come, especially from the States um, or even yeah, England or wherever, but a lot of people go, I've not seen that. Oh, I've not seen that before. That's different. And the, lot, the reason being is the way it works is that with the studios, most of the items they sell there is their own stuff. It's exclusive stuff. So, for example, like the Dobby or the sorting hat that's sold there, that is made for the studios. They make it themselves. Uh, and, of course, yes, we have Noble Collection here. So we do have a lot of that stuff here. But there's a lot of items that they don't sell because they sell their own stuff. So I find the stuff that they don't sell because I don't want, you know, someone to come all the way from the States and then they go to the studios and they have an incredible time there because it's flipping awesome. And they get to mind and they go, oh, it's the same, but smaller. So that, yeah, that's what I try and do. So I'm curious, you know, you, you started on this journey, uh, you know, three years ago, uh, thereabouts, right? And now you're sitting here with, for my money, one of the coolest, like non, like Watford Junction, you know, universal experiences for Harry Potter in the world, right? Um, like it's, Everybody talks about your shop, whether you've been or not. It, it, as you've described, it is, it is uh, truly unique, and it's something that is differentiating from any other kind of shop experience. And that, while, sh- while I'm sure, obviously, you went into this planning for success, still has to feel somewhat surreal, right? Like, did you sit there, you know, three, four years ago thinking, yeah, in a couple of years, I am going to be, like, the purveyor of all of this cool stuff? <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, by the way, I just want to point out, you're making me blush. Uh, thank you very much. It's very nice. It's very nice to hear. I've never really been good at anything. <laughs> I, I'm good at, I'm good at, like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm good at. I'm good at messing around. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think, like, when you have passion in something, it's very easy. It's very, it, a lot of brands or shops or businesses that I personally encounter, because I'm quite obsessed with the, the business world, like, you know, independent businesses or that's a really clever invention or that, why has no one thought of that before and, and someone's done it? And I love seeing something like be that made. And I think the ones that do succeed is generally the people who have 
not just vision it is just passion so if you if you if i was selling crayons <laughs> i was a crayon shop yeah, crayons are cool lucrative market crayons. yeah it's all right you know i could do a crayon a store but um not really that bothered about it i can't really draw so i wouldn't be that excited about it but because like <laughs> because i can cast spells no because uh because I think for me, it's just so, it's all about the imagination. I think that's what it is. Get a kid walk in who's like seven years old and go, ah, and then they're like, they gasp. Or even a 30 year old woman comes in, they're like, ah, and you're like, oh yeah, cool. And it's just like the fact that you could, if I can make something like that, and yeah, it, it just, it just snowballed. I think it just like, through, it was just lucky situations. It's like this, this is amazing organic marketing because there will be, the world's pretty big uh so there's quite a lot of people and there will be a lot of people probably listen to this and they'll go i've not i've not heard of that did it oliver's brand wow okay i know about it now when i go to brian i'll check it out so i think i've just been really lucky at the beginning it was a huge amount of publicity organic wise through various magazines and newspapers and it all comes down to it all comes down to the harry potter community all those individual harry potter groups all those individual people who are obsessed who maybe they do something where they contribute to a Facebook group or maybe it is some sort of uh, just group of people who are upset the Potterhead nuts. And that's what it is. I think they talk, people talk, they comment, they share, they do reviews. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just all down to, I think, passion and, but no, I, I didn't think, and I still don't. And I know I live above it, which is really funny and uh, just hang about. So, <laughs> well, then, I don't want to ask the the easy question because I know you've already talked about this before is you know this has been so wildly successful and and again it's successful not just because it makes money but because you get to live your passion right so mm -hmm. the question that I already kind of know the answer to is why don't you consider opening any other shops be it in other places in England or you know there's a lot of other countries in the world too right um, and then the second question, I guess, as a spinoff to that is, um, what do you want to do with the shop over the course of the next year or two? Like what, what, what are, uh, what are your goals? Yeah, it's, I get asked it a lot. The, the first point is that I've been approached by a lot of people or other business owners around the country, especially in the UK, parts of Europe who have said, look, we'd be really interested. Could we franchise Oliver's Brighton? Could we do an Oliver's, you know, Manchester or Oliver's Germany or whatever and and then I I've been asked about it and, and the reason I've never done it is because I could but I don't think it would be the same I think it would almost it'd be so hard to to make it this organic vibe I guess you'd say about in the shop and I'm so lucky to own the property I think that's what it comes down to it again it is that money if I was a billionaire I could go buy, you know, any old building, but it's not a common thing. And, and by designing the shop and, and, and almost investing more time and quality in it, because I know that I own it, I'm so lucky to say that. And that's so, but all these other people renting and stuff, they, they always, they must, and I would do the same. You go, I could do that, but actually I'm probably not going to go crazy on it because I might only have this for a few years. And so, yeah, and I feel also like, and it's not all about me because my staff are incredible, but I am a quite a large part of it in the sense that I oversee everything in a nice way, but I'm so lucky my staff. So the staff that are here when I'm not here, flipping good. And it's really hard to find someone that's not only obsessed with Harry Potter, who also organically comes across. They're not, they're not like me. Like Louis is my second in command 
and he is not in any way annoying as, as me on energy level, but he's more of a chilled out version of me. It's quite funny, and we bizarrely look the same. Uh, that was accidental. But yeah, so that, that's why I've never done kind of, I think sometimes it's that whole thing, you should walk before you run. A lot of people run before they walk, and you know, I could have very easily gone, let's, let's open another five across the country, and it, it just makes it silly. So I think that's why I've started with one. Keep it special. Keep it, keep it quite unique. Um, and, and something that someone will maybe have to take a further time. If I could put one in the States, but then one, there could be something complications, but more than anything, it's more when that American eventually does come to England, they'll be like, wow, blown away. And that's really nice. Uh, and then secondly, on your other point, what's the plan? It, it's almost one of those things where, you know, Oliver's Brighton is here. Um, it's incredible right now. I can't wait for the 15th to reopen. And, and I'm sure if you want to talk to me about that, how, we, how we're doing it right now. Anyway, yeah, um, my plans. I've got lots of other ideas. I've got lots of ideas. It's not necessarily this fandom. Uh, it might not even just, it might not even be retail. Uh, I've got a few ideas that are actually another fandom or I don't want to give too much away, but another kind of passion of mine. And I feel that could work really well. I'm always about creativity and, and something a bit unique. So I've got my eyes open. I'm hoping that the right prop, it all comes down to this, the right property comes up. And if the right property comes up, one of these ideas I have, uh, that will be it. So I'm just going the flow right now. And who knows? But there's definitely, this is not it. I don't want to, you know, Oliver's Brighton, I really enjoy and I love it. And, I, and I, it will be here probably forever. But I don't want to necessarily just do this because I want to do more. I want to create something even more incredible or something a bit different or whatever. So in, in a very exciting way. So who knows? But I've definitely got big ideas for other stuff. So, yeah, definitely something at some point soon. Since um, you are reopening soon and so people know, what is that going to look like for you? So because I've blundered on the, 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 the June the 15th, but this, this is the thing. So. In, in England, obviously different than America, but in England right now, in the United States, well, in England of the United Kingdom, uh, from the 15th of June, non-essential shops are allowed to reopen. And that is with certain rules. And the rules, <laughs> which is actually quite complicated, but the rules, from my understanding, is basically be clever about it. That's basically, I'm sure it's a lot more strict than that, but it's be clever about it. So I'm going to the top end of being really, really safe. And that is because I want to make sure that my customers are comfortable. I want to make sure that no one else gets ill through my doing. And I want to make sure that my staff and myself are safe. So how it will work from the 15th and beyond, there's two options. Option A, if you know you're coming down and you're really excited about coming to the shop, you call my shop or contact my shop and you book in a slot. And what that will be is basically a time that you come where you get the shop to yourselves. So if you're on your own or you're a couple, or you're a family, or even a group of, say, I don't know, six friends or whatever, and you want to book in, contact me, you get a time, we've got a lot of bookings already, and that means that they know that on that day, if they're traveling a 10-minute drive, or an hour drive, or they're getting the train down, or whatever, they know that they're going to come, they're going to have a comfortable, good time in the shop, and it's chilled out and it's relaxed. Um, the option B is if you didn't know about that prehence, and you turned up, on the door, this information will basically be there and there'll be a contact number. So if, for example, I am with someone at the time 
uh, literally they call that number. So they, again, I, I'm trying to, it's so silly, but it's not silly. It's, it's trying to think, well, how do you, how do you not get people into the shop who then want to talk about booking and then correspond with the other people that are in which they booked? Cause then you, you might, you know, someone could be poorly, etc. So, so what I've done is they call me. So they literally call the shop number and I go, hello. And they go, right. We'd love to come to your shop today. Not a problem. This is the time that you can come. Brilliant. And that means you get your time, you get your comfortability, and you get to feel safe. So that is how it works. So you either A, pre-book, or B, you call the number when you arrive, basically. If I'm on the on my Todd, on my own, I don't know if that's a phrase you use in England, on my Todd, I don't know where that comes from. If you're on your own, if I'm on my own, <laughs> if I'm on my own and I see someone at the door, obviously that's fine. I'll come over and go, hi, guys. You know, do you want to come in? We're available now, or you can book them later on. Uh, but those are the two options. And the third thing, other than me and my staff will be constantly cleaning the shop, we've also got this, and it, it, it's, <laughs> when you get something modern, uh, you want to make it as cool as possible in the shop. So I found a hand sanitizer station, and I was like, it looks so modern. It's like, ugh. It's like just white and just like hand sanitizer station bold letters so anyway so i i I contacted the company i said can we uh can we make it cool and they were like what do you mean i was like i own a wizard shop could we make it more fun and they were like well what have you got in mind so i've got this custom made (laughs) hand sanitizer machine which is this big black machine which basically is as you enter straight away there's a huge machine and the machine is luna's hand tonic so luna is my mascot the rabbit and it's luna's hand tonic and then it's something, I can't remember exactly what we put, but it's, it looks like a, you'd get like an old medicine bottle kind of graphic. So it's like 72% alcohol. And then it says something like one drop will suffice. I already know what we put. Anyway, and then it's got our crest on it's black and it fits in the shop because the shop's black and all that. And then you get you put your hands and it's automatic. So you get a little bit of hand sanitizer, bosh, you're clean, you feel comfortable. And yeah. I don't want to ask you to, to psychoanalyze your own genius, but I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm in awe. I mean, I'd I'd like to think I'm a fairly innovative human. I mean, not, I'm not creating anything that crazy by the church of the imagination, but like, you know, I, you know, I do okay. But it's like, you have put thought into every aspect of this from, from soup to nuts which is a phrase that we use here in the States. I'm not sure <laughs> on the Todd is, but, but it's just, I, I think it's one thing to, to visit a shop, to look at, to look at your Instagram, to, to observe, right. And to see all of these amazing details. Be like, wow. Like there was a lot of, a lot of creativity that went into this, but then to hear you speak through, I mean, whether you stumbled into it or thought through it, you know, proactively, you have so much ingenuity and creativity. I just, where does this, like, where does this stem from, right? Like, where, well, where do you, I, I don't even know what the question is. I don't, I just, Andy, can you help me out here? I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe. I think if I can word this is Stephen is asking what motivates your creativity? Like, where does that pull from? And because like even things from designing a hand sanitizer thing or taking things like the butterbeer scent and just finding ways to do that with things that already exist and taking that initiative to just reach out to the company and be like, okay, this doesn't actually work. What can we do to make it fit? Like where, what drives your creativity? 
I think it's like, yeah, I've got, a, as I've probably mentioned a few times in this podcast, I've got a lot of energy. And since forever, I, I've always been, not, not the word a salesman isn't, isn't right necessarily, but it, I've always tried to do something, do something basically. Like I used to sell plums outside my house when I was like six years old to selling sweets in school to, to whatever and creating stuff. And I, I think it's like, I think my dad's been quite a role model. I'm, I'm not necessarily a family person per se, uh, you get a lot of people out there, maybe yourselves, who are always talking to their family or, or very, uh, I don't know what the word is, family obsessed, I don't know. But he's, he's sound, and my, my family are sound, but I've never been, like, I'm more, I'm more like a, an individual who likes to kind of do their own thing, and I left the nest early. Like I left when I was 16, 17 from home, and I wanted to just do my own thing. And I think it does stem from my dad was the same. He left home back in the day when he was like 14 or something. And then he worked and then he created something and then he did other stuff. And then I, I think that, so I think the drive comes from there. And it, it's just one of those things where every time I wake up, it's kind of like, I just want it's, to, it's not, it's not try to, yeah, I just want to make something. I want to do something. I want to kind of almost put my stamp on stuff. And I always, always believe if you're doing something, you've got to do it hundred and billion percent, you know, let's do it. Like, you know, I, I recently I've been really bored because I am quite a geek. So what I do is I watch, films and stupid amount of tv series and game and then i i work and then when this furlough happened and i've been not working the last 60 days i've just watched an insane amount of movies like i normally do but now it's like ridiculous and i think i've watched two movies today already um and uh yeah so at the same time what i've been trying to do is i've been trying to approach people who i know who who uh, and then no disrespect to them but their business maybe is not as good as it can be or someone who's starting a business. So for example, one of my friends, he's starting his own business at the moment and he needed someone to maybe do the website. And I could do websites like just just simple websites. I use Squarespace. But because I, I'd used it before, I could just do it. So what I'm trying to get at is that I like to, not just myself, but push people in a positive way to get to where they want to be. Um, because I just like, I like seeing independence. I like people who are trying to be a different from the norm or taking that big step. It's scary stuff. I, I remember the first time I became self-employed when I was 20, whatever, 21, 22, whatever, I, I quit my job that was really good money. And then I was like, I'll just do self-employment. And that's like, oh my God, you know, you're, you're, what you're doing is that's the money. Uh, but that was a big step. And then ever since then, I'm just obsessed with it because I can't, I'm not saying I can't work for someone, but it's just at the same time, I just like to, to do it. So that's how I like to work myself and I can just, just do something and just crack on. So I kind of, I think that kind of answers you. I just like doing stuff. <laughs> In no way do I mean to diminish this podcast that I've loved doing with Danny for about, at this point, I think we probably have about 25 episodes, including the ones that we've recorded, but not released yet. But boy, oh boy, do I feel inadequate. I just. What do you mean? I, I think it's. I don't know if it's because I grew up in like a very structured environment or because I've received more education than I ever wish I did. Frankly, I think it's very easy to say like, Oh yeah. Like I just, you know, independence, right? Like follow the passion and do it. And like, but for me to actually consider taking the step and doing it is like a whole different ball game. Right. 
Um, and so I am just so incredibly envious of what you've been able to do. Again, not because of the, certainly again, it always helps when the business works rather than, than when it doesn't, but because it's, it's following a passion and, and not just following it to its logical conclusion, but following it beyond, like beyond your fantasy, right? And like, like you've not just created a shop, you've created a shop that is this incredible enchanting experience and is not only a shop that feels good when you walk into, but proactively seeks to, to respect and value and give space to it, its patrons. And oh boy, this is Danny. Every time we have someone on here, who's not just like one of our random friends, I'm always in awe of whether it's the art, it's the, the baking, the videos, whatever. It just boy, I am, yeah, I am absolutely thrown for a loop here. This is, this is cool. And I'm usually the eloquent one on this podcast. So, Wow. <laughs> So, well, Stephen self-assesses, why don't we move into some random Harry Potter questions? They are not trivia, so you don't have to worry. They are opinion-based. There is no wrong or right answer, except when Stephen decides that there is. Okay, can I just say one thing, though? Yeah. You mentioned the word uh, inadequate there. The thing is, like, I, I was very, and it is, a big part of it is luck. A lot of people have said, oh, it's not, it's not just luck. It's what you put into it. But it, it's not like I've done, as I said, I've done businesses before, uh, the one that was based around instant photos. And that was really cool. And yes, I put everything into it. And sometimes it worked where I got hired by big gigs, you know, and I was doing like brands like Red Bull or whatever. And then sometimes I get no gigs. I get no one hiring me. And it's really hard. Um, but this, this, I think, I've been extremely lucky in such situations. How I got the shop, it was fluke by chance that a dude overheard me looking for a freehold and he piped up and he was like, oh, I'm buying a freehold shop and an apartment, but I don't want the shop. Do you maybe want to buy it? If I'd not said that randomly allowed in a pub, then I meant I found the shop. If I didn't find the shop, then I probably wouldn't have been able to do the idea in any way, the detail that I've done. And I think also the, the, it's, it's really down to people who help me I think friends have encouraged me and all that. So I, I, would, I think, I feel, I feel you, you shouldn't use that word for yourself because I'm sure anything that you could do, you could equally do the same as me, if not more. It's just down to sometimes, yes, it's a bit of uh, energy about it and, and, and jumping over the edge kind of thing. But a lot of it sometimes I find in, in situations of business, it, it is, a lot of it is luck because it's just, it just somehow happens. Yeah. It doesn't always happen though. That's what I'm saying. It's my last thing. It didn't happen perfect. At one point, and I'll put it out there, sorry, really quickly, and this is not Harry Potter related, but when I was making the uh, alternative photo booth business around the instant photos, before Fuji found, I was called Polar Snap. And it was because it was a polar bear in a Polaroid. It was Polar Snap. And I've even got that like tattooed, which again, I know you've got to see in the podcast. And at one point, <laughs> I was doing like gigs and stuff. And then I got a letter one day and I got sued by Polaroid. And Polaroid were like, you can't, you can't use that logo and you can't use your name. And I was like, what? And I built up all this like business about this name and all that. I had a tattoo. And, uh, <laughs> and there was this big like thing like back and forth and they got so much money. And that was a real stress factor because I was like, oh, come on. I'm trying to make something good anyway. And then I changed the Mr. Snap. But what I'm trying to get at, sorry, just, just to sum it up is that it's never easy, but then again, it's a lot of it is luck. A lot of it is, yeah. So I don't think you're inadequate. I think just if you want to do something, just, just do it. Just do so it. 
a lot of my loved ones, even people who aren't my loved ones, random coworkers encourage me to go to seek therapy and counseling and I'm too stubborn to do that. But Oliver, we can set up like a little weekly session. I don't know what your Venmo is. I'll just, whatever, whatever you want to charge, we'll do it. Um, Cause that was some encouragement. Then. That was good. All right, Danny. Um, now that I've got my mental health squared away here for the next foreseeable future with Oliver, let's do some Harry Potter questions. All right. Let's start easy. Favorite book, favorite movie, least favorite book, least favorite movie. Okay. Favorite book, Prisoner Azkaban, because I, I like the fact that it starts getting a little darker. Um, I love the introduction of Luthien and I, I just liked that book and, and it just a lot of the things about that, the characters that were introduced in that one uh, and Lupin especially, I, just, I really liked the way it was, I know it sounds strange to say it, but I felt that was written a little, little differently than, I think each their own, each one seems to be written a little differently by Rowling. So yeah, Prisoner has come for book. Uh, favorite film, a lot of people disagree with this. I go Philosopher's Stone. I just love the first and I probably would say my second favorite book is the first because it was just, you get into the world, man. It was like, this guy is flipping one. He's a dog and Alec, isn't it? Ow. I mean, it's like, come on. It's just like, that That for me was just that, that moment again, it re- reminds me of being a kid again, of just like, just sat, I just sat on a school bus, like on the way to school, like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I, why am I going to school? And then there's like, someone spraying water on your pants and like, you wet yourself, you're like, I'll just read this book and it'll just distract me and take me away from the world that I'm in. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so uh, favorite movie, Boss with Stone. Uh, and I can't remember the next question. Sorry, Ramble. Sorry. Least favorites. Oh, I think it's so bad saying it, but you, you've got to do it because you've asked it. I go least favorite film, Goblet of Fire, because I've seen it so much. I find that's the one that's always on the TV at some point when I was a kid, because now I, I don't watch TV. I just stream, obviously. But that was the one that was always on ITV, like a channel in England. Uh, I've also seen it. It's just one that someone's always put on. Oh, let's watch Harry Potter's Book Goblet of Fire. So I think I've just overseen it. Uh, and least favorite book. It's so tricky. I don't know. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I think it, it's too hard a question because I don't I think it's, it's can't handle saying it. I don't know. I don't think I actually have a least favorite. I don't have a least favorite, sorry. Unanswered. That's acceptable. <laughs> So if you were to if you were to open a shop in the Wizarding World, would you put it in Diagon Alley, Nocturne Alley for that matter, or Hogsmeade? Uh, I'd definitely put it in Diagon Alley. I think Hogsmeade's really cool, but I find it will be too quiet. I find that obviously the kids normally just make it seem to make it busy, and the rest of the time, the visuals that we've seen in the movie, it's like <laughs> it's very quite quiet. I don't know, <laughs> don't they do? Um, Nocturne Alley, I think, would make me very depressed. I mean, yes, my shop is quite dark. In, well, it's dark and the flooring in that, there's a lot of light, uh, filament bulbs. So I think Nocturne Alley, I just get too depressed. So definitely Diagon Alley. And I think just the whole, like, some man would be outside on his little magical accordion and just an owl would just be looking at me in the window. So yeah, Diagon If you were at Hogwarts, doesn't matter on the age of any of the characters, who would be your friends? Like, who would you actually, like, hang out with in the Hogwarts Harry Potter universe? I, I, would, I would love to think, I would love to think that I, <laughs> by getting too personal as well, I, no, I, I think I would do what I think should be done in school now. So if I was in school now in Hogwarts, I would get a small, 
a small group of our try and keep small as possible and focus on them rather than try and make the group a little bit bigger. So I would go for Luna Love Goods because I just I, I think we're so I, I, I well one I've got a massive crush on Ivana Lynch. But 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 moving that to the side, actual Luna's character from the book, I feel that we're very similar. I think that she sees the world very strangely uh, and, and, and weird, and I like that a lot. Um, so Luna Lovegood, and, and I think, I, I, would, I, I think it sounds cliche, but I think I would like to hang around with Ron, Hermione, and Harry, because I think it's quite, it was just, I don't know, it's quite an organic, it was an organic relationship. Okay, yes, Harry was a bit of a silly billy sometimes, and, but that's teenagers. So I, I think they had such a, Oh, it's such a nice caring that like, you can see how much actually Hermione does care about the group. And, and they do argue, but I guess that's normal because you, you argue sometimes when you do care about something. So those guys and Hermione and Luna. So I'd, I'd hang around. I'd like to mix me at males and females as friends. So I'd, I'd love to, yeah, Ron and Harry and Luna and Hermione. And that, that would be it. Neville now and then, but I'd just keep it small and it would just say hi to Neville and he comes to the odd birthday party. Okay. Um... In like 30 seconds to a minute, thoughts on the Fantastic Beasts series so far? Oh, yeah. Like, okay, we're all going to watch it. We know that. We're all going to watch it. And I watched the first one, and I did I did quite like it. I liked the animals involved, and I really do uh, love Newt Scamander as a character. Um, and I think uh, Redmayne portrays him very well, and I like that the character's not no offense against the American, because I know it was quite American now, but it, it's, well, it was, a, it was an American director, but he's not, he's just very, yeah, yeah you know, it's him. And I think it's organic. I think that's the right word again. I use that a lot, but I think he's quite organic. Um, the next part, and no disrespect to, 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 to the directors and, and Rowling and that, I, I felt, oh, no, I don't know what was happening. I don't get it. And I honestly, I was, my face was like, I know you can't see it on a podcast, but my face was just like, little bit mouth opens like what, what what are you doing and why were the camera angles weird and and also and I, i'm not to, to, to kill it but why at one point when they're in hogwarts and um uh sorry clapped on the, the microphone there the uh oh my goodness uh late, late, later lisa the strange mm-hmm. um talking to who's she talking to in the classroom is it dumbledore, dumbledore. young yeah, dumbledore, dumbledore yeah what's going on with the camera it's like it's like someone it's like shaking around like the camera and, and it was just like and then also that weird bit with the love potion situation that was weird and I don't know it, it, it really yeah I was really deflated I think the word is so uh, yeah no I'm, I'm sorry I think I think gonna watch the rest sorry I know you said 30 seconds but I'm gonna watch the rest I will watch them but if I'm honest every time someone comes in the shot I don't rape I just talk about Harry Potter Fantastic Beasts, yeah, we do some Fantastic Beasts stuff. But if someone loves it, I will share their passion of loving it, but I won't randomly go, what do you think of Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, for my money, I think the camera angles are a really good note. Like, for instance, the opening scene of the second movie of Crimes of Grindelwald, where it's just right on Newt's face um, in the ministry, I don't, it has to have been a reshoot, right? Like, they'd have to have, like, torn down the sets and everything and be like, oh, crap, we really missed this. Because there's no reason. And then the other thing, if you really want to, if you, like, you know how sometimes you see on YouTube, like people will take like horror movies, but like, like cut them in a way that makes it look like a rom-com or something. There was a really good story to be told about Newt Scamander's foot fetish. If you cut a lot of the scenes from Crimes of Grindelwald, because 
he's staring at feet. He's talking about feet. He is, there's a whole foot thing. Um, no, I look, generally speaking, I think, again, this is not a game of right or wrong, but in my mind, it's a game of right or wrong. And I think you nailed it. It's, we're going to watch it anyway, but deflated is a, is a fair assessment. Yeah. And, and then you hear the rumors that, you know, you see all the time that you like, you know, they're going to redo, the, redo the films as a series or whatever. And it's like, oh, come on, leave it alone. And I get, and I do love sometimes cult films being remade. Like you could say, uh, Tron when it was remade, I actually quite like the new Tron. And, and, and Jumanji, it's not disrespectful to Jumanji, that she did really well, because you, that's probably the prime example. Jumanji classic, it's just so well done. And then the new Jumanji, you go, oh, but because it's, it's exactly what Fantastic Beasts is trying to do, isn't it? It's trying to have something connected to it and not, but they've done it so right. It's different, it's unique, it's funny. But yeah, it's, no, I, I think fair enough, but no, no, yeah, meh. All right. Do you have any other questions, Stephen? No, I'm excited to get into creator shout-outs for this episode. All right. So, Oliver, we like to shout out creators. They can be digital content, literally anything. If you have anyone that you would like to shout out, um, feel free. If not, that's okay, too. In what sense? Sorry. So, so like, uh, it depends. I mean, really, just anybody. It, it, like we had one person on the last episode we just recorded the other day, um, a, a guy who runs a subscription box. He shouted out some of the people behind the scenes who help him put the things together. We've shouted out for people, people you follow on Instagram you enjoy. Yeah, people who make cool Harry Potter things on Instagram. It doesn't, you know. There's really no limit. Oh, there's, there's so many. You've already mentioned Greg. Um, uh, I love them all. I, I really like the Bakey. I do really like Bakey. I think she's just funny and I actually like the energy. And I think um, she's just, yeah, I've met her quite a few times now. And I like, she's got a lot of energy about her. And I also really like Rodney um, from Quick Co Spell. I know he changed his Instagram name at one point. And he's just, uh, he's just a really genuine guy. But actually, no, hang on. So I know who. So all of them are amazing. And Ronnie's amazing and all that. And Greg's amazing. Chavier uh, Boldu. That's the guy. Chavier is the guy that did, he one day, he, con- I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened. But he basically did my wizard's portrait, right? We were the first one. He, he, I think he had this idea and I, I met him somehow. Maybe it's through social media. And he said, look. I'm a kind of photographer, graphicsy person, and I'd love to do a wizard's portrait. And we did that. So he did a wizard's portrait of me and Luna, the mascot rabbit, right? And since then, he's done other wizards and witches' portraits. And Xavier Baudou is the, one of the most talented photographers I personally ever encountered. I used to work in a photography game, and it's just so, it's not just, oh, it's a cool photo. It's just so well done. He, he, he was only here briefly with that photo, and it was just incredible. And the ones he's done since then, if you check them out, Xavier Boldu, which is X-A-V-I-E-R Boldu, B-O-L-D-U. His Instagram is mad. And then what's incredible, uh, he he went from doing that and then he was obviously obsessed with Mina Lima because it's all about graphics and creativity. And now he works there and uh, he's uh, really involved in Mina Lima and he's just a flipping talented guy. So Xavier Boldu. Yeah, I'm looking at his feed right now. At the time of recording, it's the third most recent post. It's from end of May of uh, the Felix Felicis um, vial. It looks like it's the set set up from uh, the studio tour in Wofford. 
that is some really nice photography. I could sit there all day and try to take that photo and never come close. Yes. It's almost like he takes a photo, but it's it just makes it what it should be in a in a strange way of saying it's it's almost like yeah it just it just nails it and he did the shot photo if you go to my website oliversbrighton.uk the the photo of my shot there he did that I knew I wanted someone like I knew that it was him to do the photo and he just made it look ex- what he took what it is and just made it what it is he didn't mess around he didn't randomly photoshop and change something he just it's about the lighting and the filter he uses and uh, yeah wow he a uh, very talented man what about you Stephen? who are your shout outs yeah, so in anticipation of knowing we were having Oliver on and because uh, social distancing really has me jonesing for my next tattoo, I found three different Harry Potter, not Harry Potter tattoo artists, but people who have uh, given Harry Potter tattoos, at least per Instagram. So the first I want to shout out is Starship underscore Inc. Uh, they're from Electric Age Tattoo in Northern Idaho, which if you happen to be in Northern Idaho, check them out, I suppose. Uh, the photo I'm looking at are some really cool uh, Luna Lovegood Spectra Specs. Uh, so that is pretty cool for any of you Luna heads out there. The second artist I want to shout out is Heidi K. Tattoo. And Heidi is in a London shop, the Good Fight Tattoo. Uh, the post I'm looking at is like an opened book with like a three-dimensional Hogwarts castle coming out of it. Love that. And a a quote on kind of on the top, anything's possible if you've got enough magic, I believe. So no nerve nerve. That's a quote from the book. There we go. Uh, and the third, I want to shout out is person who gave me my most recent tattoo uh, back in Phoenix, gentle dot death, gentle spelled with a J. Uh, she gave me an awesome uh, Marauders map inspired uh, scroll and some footprints. And I loved her. We had a lot of fun doing that on Valentine's day. Cause that's how I got out my frustration with Valentine's Day. It was by Can putting permanent it? ink into my body. Oh, yes. Very nice. Yeah. I love that. I love um, that. So those are my three. Uh, shouts to all the Harry Potter tattoo people out there. Love y'all. Always looking for my next one. So feel free to DM me with any ideas, people. You should you should go to Lou Hopper when you go to England. She did a lot of my Harry Potter ones. That's the Hogwarts castle on my hands. Where, and, where, uh, where? In Brighton? Yeah, her name is Lou Hopper, L-O-U, and then Hopper, H-O-P-P-E-R. If you look on her Instagram, she should come up. She owns a tattoo studio called Death's Door Got Tattoo it. Studio. You literally and, uh, just planned his day in Brighton. Yeah. You and a tattoo. She did my uh, full-size Skelegro bottle on my leg. And uh, she's just, a, I really like, I lo- I've been with many different artists, but I like her a lot because she's just, she really, really listens to you. And she's just a really sound person as is anyway, but just the quality of work is, is beautiful. Yeah, the, I'll go to the pier in the morning, I'll come to the shop around midday, and I'll get a tattoo in the afternoon, and then <laughs> I will go home a happy man. Perfect. Danny, who are yours for this episode? All right. Mine is Carla's Magic World. She just has some fun edited photos. Just another fun creator account. Uh, she's a Slytherin also. So they're just fun. Check her out. I like her photos. Um, so Oliver, be expecting that when things lifted, you will be seeing Stephen and I. That, that sounds lovely. Just like this. Like I won't <laughs> touch the glass because it's a pain to clean. I'm with you. But I will be right up against it, like very close. 
If he can touches I, it, we'll make him clean it. Okay. And can I also say, when you go, because you, have you been to the, the studios in, in England? Or, yes. Or he okay, has. Cool. I haven't. When did you go last? I last went this past January. Okay. I don't know if I was there then. Anyway, when you both go then, because obviously you'll both go again, uh, it, a little claim to fame. In the video part of the very beginning, we have the oh, portraits. no way. Yeah, with uh, the Phelps brothers, um, George and Fred. Uh, when they're there, I'm on the frame, about three frames to the left in a group of people from a sliver rooms, like wiggling about with a sliver in flat. All right. So so when everyone's looking, I know they're all over the room or whatever, but when everyone's yeah. looking at like the Phelps twins this way, I'll just be facing the you know, opposite direction. <laughs> no, 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 they're near. Don't worry, you can look at them at the same time. You, you'll just see me. Just don't know what I'm doing, just flipping around a flag. So yeah. <laughs> Danny, I'll tell you what, we've got a great UK trip planned here between uh, guilting Bradley into cooking a meal for us, uh, going to the studio tour with Greg, going down to Brighton and watching me get more tattoos and hang out with Oliver. This is this is a great trip. It's going to be awesome. I've been excited for Brighton because there's another company that I really like in Brighton. So I'm going to go check them out too. Uh, so you're also trying to angle for some money from the Advertising Council of Brighton, huh? Okay. They make great overalls. I can't complain. But they're based where, at, where they, is it? It's Lucy and Yak. They're based out of Brighton. Yes, very cool. Very Half cool. my wardrobe is them. So when I found out they were in Brighton <laughs> also, I got really excited. That's that's the nut. You'll find that's the cool thing about it in Brighton. There is, I think, I might be wrong. I think I am right in saying, I think out of the whole United Kingdom, it's the city with the most independent businesses. I, I assume that's true because literally all the shops are independent brands. There's a small percentage of your typical corporates, and then there's tons of diagonal alley like streets which have niche shops, which is really nice. So, yeah, it's, it's really nice to hear that. All right. And before we finish, can you give your shout outs of your social so people know where to find you on all the things? Of course. Of course. Thank you. Um, before I do, I want to say thank you very much because honestly, it's a real privilege. Uh, of the, I really like the podcast and also it's just, just seeing really nice people. So thanks. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, Oliver's Brighton is on everything. So literally it's uh, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's Oliver's Brighton, as I'll spell it just in case, O-L-I-V-E-R-S, and then Brighton as in the city, B-R-I-G-H-T-O-N. And if you want to check out my website, it's really a, a pamphlet, I like to call it, on my website, which is really simple and a brief video of what, what it's about, and that's oliversbrighton.co.uk. Stephen, do you have anything to say? No, this was a ton of fun. Oliver, we appreciate the time. I uh, hope you get back to enjoying movies for the rest of your uh, Sunday here I'm I'm actually just I, I'm, I'm not doing a movie I'm playing Prisoner Azkaban on the PlayStation 2 so it's a little different at least it's a little different <laughs> that's perfect that, that I mean couldn't be better what a, what a perfect way to end alright Danny before I screw it up let's cut this thing alright have a good day Oliver thank you so much guys <laughs>